Thanks for checking out the V1 Church podcast. You're about to hear an exclusive episode from our evening service from Pastor Mike Signorelli. This is such a powerful message, and you're going to want to listen all the way to the very end. So we'll see you on the other side. Well, hey, V1, how you doing tonight? Anyone excited to be at the 7 p.m.? <laughs> oh, man. You know why I'm happy? Somebody bought me a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> we were like 21 days of fasting. Yeah, right, Pastor. We know your vice. <laughs> Mac attack. Um, but I'm going to preach to you guys. I see some new faces. I just want to welcome you to this spiritual family. And uh, we, we believe that you just found an authentic home at V1. And we want to welcome you home. Come on. Mm-hmm. Papa Dean just welcomed you home. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I just want to, I know my wife was preaching real good today on Long Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, like, oh, I'm get ready for this. Yep, that one right there. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm going to tell you what, Queens was, was on fire this morning. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm going to read to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I'm going to try to give you a little something. Some of you were in the morning services. I'm going to give you some of the, like, extended deleted scenes. And then if you're here for the first time tonight, we're going to give you what God has for you. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 19, it says this, today, everyone say today. Today. today man, today. <laughs> I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth. Now watch, no pressure. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants live. Now, let me tell you why this scripture, Deuteronomy is so scandalous in 2020. Because according to the world, you don't have a choice. Because feelings are truth. Mm-hmm. Should we pray it out now? Should I have the altar call? I mean, I mean, if you feel it, that's what the truth is. So you don't really have a choice. Whatever you feel is your reality. So Deuteronomy can't possibly be true because the only truth is your feeling. And it's telling you I have a choice between life and death, blessing and cursing, joy and depression, fear or faith. But I don't really have a choice because my feelings tell me what the reality is. So should we just pray it out now? This is what society says. But God's word is different. It says choose, choose. Somebody say choose. Choose. All right, you're with me, you're with me, you're with me. Man, Father, give me strength to do this because I feel like there's a weight on this word. Father, do what you can only do tonight because I got to fight a multinational drug corporation that wants to medicate them and tell them that's their only choice. I've got, come on, I'm up against a lot tonight, God, so I'm asking you to help me. I'm, I'm, I'm up against a system that tells them that culture, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, it's all tilted against this word. And so I pray that your word would be triumphant before this is over. Jesus' name. You know, there's two kinds of people in this room. I'm just going to call you out. One of you, every time the new iPhone comes out, you run and get it. And the other one, you are clutching on to your phone for dear life, and you never want to upgrade it. It, Just two kinds of people up in here. Now, in my marriage, I'm the guy who always wants to upgrade. And then what I do, this is a slick move for the guys who want to get married. Are you listening? Whenever I crack or break my phone, I tell Julie, hey, how would you like a new phone? <laughs> you like that? That's my insurance plan. 
Write that down. So, so really, so then Julie gets hooked up when she gets my phone, the cracked one, and then I get the new one. Praise God. She don't need it. Come on, y'all. Come on now. I told you there was going to be demonic resistance on this word. But every, you know, basically what happens is like every six months there's these major upgrades and you have to choose whether or not you're going to upgrade them or not. And then if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you're going to know this next phase. You actually get a notification where the ghost of Steve Jobs messages you and says you have to update your operating system. But then, and this is just because I know y'all, I know y'all, 100% of you say, nope, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> and you press that button that sends it to tomorrow. Am I right? Is there anyone here who drops everything that they are doing and accepts that thing and updates their operating system? Because if you are, you're going to be the new exec pastor at V1. <laughs> Everyone else is like, nope. Now, do we have any droid family here tonight? All righty, all righty. We will be having deliverance right here. Get out the garbage can and the oil and the Kleenex. It's happening. It's ha <laughs> yeah, see? He started. That thing is going to burn up. It's like the prophets of Baal and Elijah, and it goes up. It probably will catch on fire. Ain't that a sign? When your device catches on fire spontaneously, isn't God trying to tell you something? <laughs> All the hipsters are like, I like this service. Less scripture, more stories. <laughs> Take that thing away from me. <laughs> so, well, let me just break down what, what uh, this is ridiculous. Service is going to midnight, so if I can get this thing out. So... When you are asked to update your operating system, it requires a couple things. When you do upgrade your operating system, one, you have to be connected. It tells you this, connected to what? A power source. Have to. And then number two, what, what is the other thing? You have to be connected to Wi-Fi, right? And then this is probably the hardest thing for my wife because she has no like storage management system. So just her pictures and videos accumulate to the point where every four months she's going to text you and say, hey, who is this? Because my phone crashed because I have no memory on it. You've gotten those texts from her. Some of you know. And, and what happens is we total up those items and we say, so wait a second. I'm watching a very important documentary right now on Netflix or on, on, on YouTube, and I've got to plug this phone in, connect it to Wi-Fi, and stop consuming for a second. That's too much work. That's borderline slave labor. <laughs> and we keep hitting that button, next, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And then in the sovereignty of Steve Jobs, he will eventually send you a message that says, no matter what, it will be installed at 2 AM tonight. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Somebody say it's a choice. It's a choice. And what happens is God is desperately trying to change the operating system of your way of thinking. But we say tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's too much work. It's too much work. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Does somebody know what I'm talking about? I'll change the way I think tomorrow. I'll change the way. And this is according to neuroscience. This is basically how we all live our lives. You wake up in the morning and the first thing that you think about is your problems. And the reason why you think about your problems is because you're an adult. And you know what it means to be an adult? Let me tell you, you've had enough bad experiences that you know your new experiences are also going to be bad. 
That's the definition of being an adult. All the kids are like. <laughs> You've had enough bad experiences to know that your new experiences are probably going to be bad. And so you, so then what you do is you momentarily say, wait a second, I have a solution. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to rewire my brain. I can distract myself with cat videos. <laughs> I can distract myself with Instagram, Facebook. And so we scroll. And what happens is we have to choose between renewing our mind, bringing thoughts into captivity, changing our operating system, conforming ourselves more to the image of God, the image of Christ, or cat videos. <laughs> And what happens is we've distracted ourselves out of our destiny. <laughs> Today I give you the choice between life and death, blessings and cursing. This is my main point. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Process with progress empowers you to love every version of you. Because I want to talk about a process. Like we're all in a process pretty much all the time. But if you are in a process without progress, can I tell you a secret? You're in a cycle. A process without progress is a cycle. But a process with just a little bit of progress is what? Empowerment to love every version of you. John chapter 3 verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that no one would die. No one would perish, but everyone who believes in him would what? Have everlasting life. Do you know what verse 17 says? It's, man, come on, biblical scholars. I haven't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And so what happens is we have all these unemployed demons in our life because we can condemn ourselves better than they ever could. And Satan is checking. Lucifer's literally like, yo, how's it going with Joseph? I don't know. I just try. Everyone's named Joey out here. Um, <laughs> something happened in the 80s. Name him Anthony or Joey. That's it. How's it going with Anthony? How's it going with Joey? Oh, I haven't done work for like years. They just beat themselves up all day. But don't they know the Bible? Don't they know scripture? Yeah, they don't really rehearse it, believe it, or stand on it. Like they don't wield it. You know that whole Ephesians, like it's a sword of the spirit. They never swing it. I'm just saying, it's going to be like that tonight. It's a family talk. <laughs> it's a family talk. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, And we have put on the new self. We have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So there's a couple things in the scripture. We put on the new self. Some of someone said, put it, on. put it on. Right? That sounds like something that we engage in. Right? Now, when you're a kid, what happens? Your parents dress you. But then when you get older, what happens? You dress you. And some of us in the beginning of our Christian walk, we loved when God put the clothes of the new self on us and those great services and great worship experiences. But in maturity, you will begin to clothe yourself with the new you. Man, I'm telling you, somebody's getting free tonight. It's good. It's good. I'm just saying. The process determines everything. Let me ask you this, Long Islanders. What is the difference between cheap wine and really exquisitely good wine? Somebody said taste. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Somebody said age. I'm looking for a word. Starts with a P, rhymes with schmash mess. Process, you're right. What is the difference? I'm not good at rhyming. Okay, I'm a preacher, not a rapper. <laughs> what is the difference between... A struggle slice 
I don't know if you have that terminology in Sai. I said government cheese. We call it a struggle slice. It's a slice of struggle. And that aged Italian Parmesan that costs a year's, of your, a year's worth of your annual salary. What's the difference? A process. It is a process. Very good. I got one more for you for those who aren't paying attention. What is the difference between cheap oil and that expensive oil, olive oil? It's the process. I got three points for you very briefly. Very briefly, three points. One, process with progress produces grace. So if you've been beating yourself up, man, let me let me illustrate this process with just a little bit of progress produces grace. So in my mind, there is this Mike Signorelli who has a white T-shirt on. Now, listen, this white T-shirt is not an extra large. It's a schmedium. It's not even a large. (laughs) And I've got kind of like lightly tanned skin and I look phenomenal, like phenomenal. Why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) but I estimate that when my wife had a couple kids, so did I. (laughs) And I'm a good 20 pounds away from that vision being fulfilled. But what happens is if I go to the gym, there's no hope of me losing 20 pounds in a day. Let's just be real. But if I can go to the gym after eating right for a week and I see two to three down, just a little bit of progress in that process produces grace in my life. And I say, listen, I'm not to this medium yet, maybe at home, but listen, I'm going to get there because I'm making progress. And most of the condemnation in our life is because we haven't done anything. Somebody's real honest in the back. I can't see because of the lights, but I like you. It's like we literally have done nothing. Like you, some of us who want to be leadership gurus, just read a paragraph. Like you're literally, you're beating yourself up. I'm trying to help you. Just read a paragraph. You literally will go, I'm not that bad. I opened the book. I'm serious. This is inch by inch. Everything's a cinch. Yard by yard, it gets real hard. There you go. It's free. That's carpenter talk. That's Indiana talk. Number two, process with progress produces momentum. John Maxwell in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership talks about the big mo. Momentum. Momentum. Momentum is your greatest asset in change. And momentum is made one small decision at a time. You know, and so sometimes, like I remember Julia and I's marriage, like we celebrated, like we went to, are you ready for this? 24 hours without arguing. <laughs> She's laughing because it's true. I remember us actually like, we were like, dude, let's go out for a steak dinner. Like, and then we argued about the steak dinner. No, I'm just kidding. But it was like, I remember when we fought so much that the momentum was, Julie, do you realize what just happened? She's like, I know, please don't cuss. Don't do anything bad. We just made it 24 hours without arguing because momentum, momentum, momentum. So process with just progress produces momentum in your life. And number three is this process with progress produces contentment. You know what I don't want to happen? I don't want to be chasing this moving target. I don't want to be chasing this elusive fantasy. See, there's a difference between a dream and a fantasy. You know what I'm saying? A dream is obtainable. Fantasy is actually like it's, it's elusive and, and it's dangerous to have fantasies because what happens is if you're chasing these things and for me, you know what? I want to look back and I want to be like right now I'm in Syosset and I see all your beautiful faces and in this moment I'm experiencing the goodness of God 
and my heart is not desiring to be in another stage in another place. But there's this dynamic tension where it's healthy for us to want more and to drive to bigger and to better and to different and to continue to go on that journey. But there's a point where you reach this tipping point where that that tension goes a little too far in one direction. It begins to overtake you and overwhelm you. And there's people that no matter how much money, there's no, no matter how much sex, no matter how much praise, no matter, it's never enough. It's this insatiable. It's not a dream. It's a fantasy. And God wants to recalibrate that with someone because if you could just make a little bit of progress, that will bring a contentment into your heart. I think there's something wrong, and I say this a lot to pastors and ministers, I say there's something wrong if you can't find contentment at every stage of your process. This is why I feel like part, it's like ironic because I'm such a hard worker. And for those of you who know me, like I post a picture of me doing something other than working. Everyone's like, yay, the Lord's good. He's not working. But it's but in, in irony, I feel like the Lord's been having me teach people to ha- how to have Selah moments, because what happens is we're inhaling life and we don't even know what that season tasted like. And we're missing the morsels of goodness because it's being dominated by this insatiable desire. And so there comes a point where there's this contentment that comes over our heart. I want to read you some scriptures. Uh, Roman chapter, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says it like this. Do not be conformed to this world. You all, you all heard it, right? But be transformed by the renewal of your not, mind. Renew, renew, renew. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you know, according to 21st century, you guys can come help me out. According to 21st century Christianity, you know how you test and discern the will of God? If we didn't look at scripture, but we looked at how Christians acted, the way that we think we can learn the will of God is meeting with a pastor. Oh man, it got real quiet. That's That's just real. It says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't think like them, act like them. Don't spend money like them. Don't do anything pattern after the way that they act because you have been renewed. You are a new creation. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. That you may discern the will of God. And often what happens is we become so reliant on somebody else's renewed mind to teach us how to discern the will of God. Pastor Mike, I know you renew your mind. Can you tell me the will of God? I can't discern it. I don't know it. I know you renew your mind. And this is the biggest shift that's going to happen in someone's life right now. The Bible doesn't say that it's my renewed mind that helps you discern the will of God. It actually says that as you are renewing your mind, you now can discern the will of God. And I I wish it was the other way because it's easier the other way because then I could do that. Like, I'm telling you what I learned. It just so happens that at this point in meeting me, I'm the lead pastor, but I wish I could do that. So this is not in, in any way, shape, or form to make you feel weird about some of the things that you've thought, but I gotta cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself up against what that says. Because I believe that if some of the writers of the New Testament came as anthropologists to our culture and said, if I align their actions with scripture, could I actually tell you what the scripture was without being able to read English? And I'd say in some of these ways we've erred. Renewing your mind, renewing your mind. I got one more thing for you tonight. So how many of you lock your doors? Just look around. If someone doesn't have their hand up, this is where the criminals go. <laughs> See, I was hoping, y'all. 
So th the reality is it's a normal, natural thing to lock your doors. Would we agree? Even in a safe neighborhood, you lock your doors. Did you, did you guys lock the, your car when you got out, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know that church, some misfits up in there. But here's the thing. If you locked your door to your apartment or your house, and all of a sudden you, you were just sitting on the couch scrolling on the phone that you're not updating the operating system for, and you saw some guy tatted up, beard bald, <laughs> no, I was kidding. But you see some guy just walk into your place and he's rummaging through your, your refrigerator. He's eating the food that you paid with your hard money. Some of you are like, this sounds like some of my kids. But I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'm talking about like, like somebody you didn't know, somebody you didn't identify was just, some, would you not, what would you do in that moment? I mean, okay, for me, because sometimes I struggle with my unredeemed na nature, I'm fighting them. Like, I wait for those moments. I'm going to repent afterwards, right? I'm just saying I got like some pent-up aggression. I'm like, no, you didn't just walk up into my house. But, but many of us would do what? We would call 911. But you have these trespassers of these thoughts that are running rampant in your mind trespassers that are robbing you of your sanity robbing you of your peace robbing you of your hope robbing you of your true identity they're trespassers you have been bought with a price you don't belong to yourself you are not your own and they have broken into your life they are pillaging your resources and it's about time you start learning how to call violation 911 arrest this person get him out of here you should not be here right now can I tell you the scriptural version of what I just said? It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five through six, we destroy arguments. Somebody say destroy. Don't you love that, that, that language? We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion, opinion, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We take every thought captive. So tomorrow morning when you wake up and your adult brain starts rehearsing all the failures of your past, you see those captives running through, you see those, those thieves running through your mind and you captivate them and you say, I am not going to allow you to have dominion over my thinking. You are not going to, you are not going to condemn me. You're not going to convince me of my failure. I'm not going to repeat my past. I want to tell you guys about epigenetics because it's a it's a field of study that has to deal with your gene expression and how your genes are actually coded and wired for behaviors and characteristics and and different qualities that you physical qualities but also personality and also different traits have you ever heard somebody say oh you're musical because you're from a musical family you ever heard anyone say that We'll see what happens is epigenetics have had all these landmark studies that have come out. And one of the big ones that came out said this, that there were these rats that they put in an incredibly complex maze. Now this maze was so complex that you had to be systematically taught how to migrate through the maze. It's not something that you could just like discover it by accident or like by random chance. And so they kept feeding and training these rats to be able to migrate through this incredibly intense maze. But then watch what happened. This is like a landmark study was just released. 
the second generation of rats, their offspring were then placed into this maze and without any training were able to navigate all the way through the complexities to the finish. And it baffled the scientists because they said this changes our understanding of genes because when we taught their parents, what happened was it was passed to the children and the knowledge of this maze was imprinted on a cellular level in their being. And you thought it was about you. And you thought the devil was trying to take you out, but he was trying to take out generations connected through you. See, because what happens is every single time you give in the offering and tell fear, oh, no, 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 fear, we don't deal with money like that. We're faith people. You are coding your genes. You're changing the expression. You're teaching kids that aren't even born through you yet how to navigate the maze that is causing anxiety in a whole generation. When you stand up for purity and righteousness, when you worship and sing unto the Lord, you are changing yourself on a cellular level. You are causing your body to come into submission to the will of God. God, and it changes you through the generations and the things that were hard for you will not be hard for your children and the things that complex you would not be complex to them and this is science lining up with watch today I give you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make oh that you would choose life but that's not where the scripture ends it ends with epigenetics so that you and your descendants might live. So that you and your descendants will live and not deal with adultery and idolatry and sin. So that you and your descendants will know abundance. So that you and your descendants will know freedom. So that you and your Somebody don't hear me preaching tonight. So here's what we're going to do if you can stand on your feet with me. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to update the operating system of our soul right now. We are not going to delay. As a matter of fact, in God's sovereignty, what he actually did was he told you, hey, you may not know this, you may not even like it, but at Sihasset, come on, what time is it? At 8.12 p.m., I have scheduled your update. I have scheduled your new install of your operating system. And you are not going through 2020 not being connected to the power source of God's presence. You are not going through 2020 without being connected to the Wi-Fi of the data of the strategies of heaven being downloaded into your heart and soul. You are not going through 2020 without being connected so that you can receive this download. So if you would be so bold right now, would you stretch your hands forward towards heaven? This is your antenna going up. Come on. This is your antenna going up to receive a new download, a new deposit. God is depositing in yours. You are not abandoned. You are not orphaned. You are not forsaken. You are not defeated. This is your finest hour. You will rise up like never before in the fullness of what God called you to. But it won't be by your might nor by power, but by his spirit. 
Father, for every hand that's lifted right now, I pray that you would just give them a deposit of your spirit right now as their hands are stretched in obedience, in surrender before you. I pray, God, that you would begin to operate in their mind, that you would begin to clear out the clutter, just like sometimes we need to delete videos, delete pictures, delete things in the storage of our life so that we can make room for the new operating system. God, we are repenting for relationships we shouldn't have been in. We are repenting for people that we keep going back to their Facebook. We keep stalking them. We keep revisiting it. We are emptying the storage of our heart and our soul to receive a download from you right now, God. All the negative thinking, all the things that we've believed about ourselves that wasn't true. We are deleting messages right now, and it's so much better your way, God. We are surrendered to you in this moment, and I want you, Father, to do the impossible in their lives this year. Thanks again for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. If this message impacted you, we want to ask that you would pass it along and share it with a friend or a family member that you know needs to hear this message. If you would like to partner with what God is doing in V1 Church financially, you can give by downloading the V1 Church app or visiting us at www.v1.church and clicking the tab that says Give. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.